You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello, everyone. This is Melissa Gonzalez with Retail Refined, a market scale podcast. I'm here today with Trevor Sumner, who is the CEO of Perch, the leader in interactive product engagement marketing retail displays that can detect when a shopper touches or picks up a product and then respond with product-specific digital experiences that consistently drive 30 to 130% sales lift. Perch has won numerous Clio, Digi Edison, and Retail Design Awards and was named one of the top 15 tech companies to watch in 2018 by Forbes. Trevor has been a founder, investor, advisor, and operator for cutting-edge technology companies with multiple successful exits, and is a contributor to business and technology publications such as Forbes, TechCrunch, and Mashable. Trevor is also a native New Yorker, an avid fisherman, and an amateur chef, which we'll have to get into later, and an adventure scuba diver, which I am as well, who has dived on every continent, including Antarctica, which I cannot say for myself. Um, But it looks like we're about to dive into a very exciting conversation. Trevor, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I've slightly introduced you to the audience, but before we kick off, can you introduce us to a little bit more about Perch? Yeah, absolutely. So Perch is founded on on kind of a simple premise, which is that online I can click on products to get more information. Why don't I click on products in store? Right. We we our tagline is every product tells a story. There's you know rich media such as ratings, reviews, videos, how-tos, all this content that we need to make a product decision. And what's ironic is though billions and billions of dollars are being spent on media to educate and engage us about products and product information. The one place that it's not being spent is where 89% of commerce occurs in store. And so we said to ourselves, what would it be like if I could click on a product in store? And so what we do is, is often called lift and learn technology. But the idea is we can detect as you're in the sh- on the shelf in the aisle, which products you're touching and interacting with. And then our embedded touchscreens actually wake up kind of like Minority Report, if you've seen Minority Report. And so you pick up a product and it says, oh, I see you're, you're, you're picking up you know, a pair of those Burberry sunglasses. Let me tell you about them. Let me tell you about the lenses. Let me tell you about the care about them. Um, we can do things like cross-sell, upsell, product configuration, endless aisle, but it's all contextual. And so for the first time, you can do true product level marketing in store for every one of the products on the shelf. And this turns out to be transformative in a lot of interesting ways. Um, and so, you know, you mentioned our 30 to 130% sales. Lift. Most of the people we talk to just don't even believe us because the number is so different than what you see out of traditional digital signage, um, which we think of as kind of like the banner ad of, of, of in-store retail in, in, in that it's not contextual, it's not interactive, um, and it's not as, as relevant because, you know, traditional digital signage you know, pops up and says, you know, maybe it's Maybelline. Well, that's great brand building, but how does that actually help me pick a mascara or a beauty product? What I really want to know about is the products on the shelf. So what we've done is to be able to marry the best of digital shopping and all that content with physical shopping where 89% of transactions occur. And the results, as I said, have been transformative. And our, our biggest clients include, you know, Macy's and Johnson & Johnson, um, uh, AMD, uh, Mac. We do a lot of work in, in various different categories around beauty, CPG, electronics, health. And, and you know, it's, uh, 
it's, it's so relevant to everything. And I know you know this, you know, kind of from the Lioness group about how do you create a compelling in-store experience or physical shopping experience that engages customers, that gets information that is helpful to brands to understand what's happening in the shopper process so they can continue to iterate and improve it. And so we think of that as product engagement marketing holistically. How do you get people to engage with products? How do you learn from that engagement? And how do you improve that engagement and engage with customers over time? And that's what we do at Perch. Well, I love it. I've been a fan of Perch and I think you know, how you bridge the uh, physical digital is going to be more important than ever. Um, Thanks for diving into, you know, who some of your customers are and the verticals, which seems to be a wide range. And I think it's good you hit upon that because I I think people wonder if certain platforms are appropriate for certain verticals over others. But given the breadth that you just mentioned from CPG to beauty to, to, you know, other sorts of other um, retailers like Macy's, um, it's a pretty wide range. How how does Perch empower brands to basically bring media to the in-store experience? Like, what does it take um, for you to onboard a brand? And what sort of guidance do you give for most successful implementations? Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot there, right? So one is, you know, what are the right categories for technology like this? And it, it turns out that you know, anywhere we're using digital media to explain your products or explain your brand is a good fit. And so we look at product categories where education and engagement and, um, you know, that's that's a necessary part of the, of the process. So the things like beauty and fragrance, right? So, you know, beauty, uh, there's so many different products. It's a highly contested category. Uh, we, we see shifts. The customer, she's open to new products on, you know, more than other categories. So it's a lot of education. We've moved from, you know, kind of makeup to skincare because the shopper is looking not to, you know, for all the different products to cover up blemishes, but to fix those blemishes. So we're seeing skincare and new categories becoming hot. And so, you know, what does it mean to uh, have a skincare regimen? What does that look like? And, you know, these products have like primers and toners and cleansers, and you have to put them in a certain order and they work together. And, you know, that's a lot of education. Um, And, uh, it's also can be experiential, as you know, um, the best the best performing retailers in beauty are the ones that actually engage the shopper and make it an experience, the Ultas, the Max uh, of the world. Uh, but increasingly, that's a battlefront for even, you know, we're seeing a lot of investment from the grocery category. So beauty is one, um, and that can be either educational, um, it also can be experiential. So, uh, you know, one of our early deployments was uh, Joe Malone. And Joe Malone has this beautiful fragrance combining cabinet. And, and it's, Joe Malone has this gorgeous millwork, as, as you probably know. Um, and so you walk in and you pick up a fragrance and you realize that behind it is it's actually a screen in that, in that cabinetry. And you pick up the fragrance and the fragrance animates into honeysuckle lemon or sage and wood or cherry blossom and honey. And it's so such a beautiful experience of it really helps you reimagine that you can use any type of digital to enhance the customer experience. And that's especially true in luxury, which is kind of where we got our start. And now what's really interesting about Perch is we are expanding faster in CPG and consumer packaged goods and grocery and mass than any other category. And the reason for that, we're seeing that it's certainly the higher margin categories like beauty and pets and baby. Um, But uh, you know, the reason for that is the technology has become 
uh, affordable enough that you know the thirty to one hundred thirty percent sales up basically uh, pays for the the cost of the technology. And so, if you think about what it's like for a brand in in a mass or CPG environment, it's very hard to figure out you know how to stand out on the shelf and also to get the analytics about what shoppers are doing because the retailers don't necessarily provide that data beyond sales data. And so, you know. CPGs and, and brands generally are seeing Perch as a platform to be able to test creative, improve creative, understand how shoppers engage uh, with uh, the, the, the different products and what's successful and not successful. Um, so that's probably the area of greatest growth. And then we're seeing a lot in health. We have a big partnership with Invisalign, uh, Galderma, which is a skincare uh, line uh, that has a product that's similar to Botox. We see a lot in accessories. Um, we work with Kate Spade, for example, where, you know, you, you pick up a, a, one of their Make It Mine handbags and, you know, it's, it's configurable and personalized. So you can customize it with polka dots, stripes or different flaps and wraps. And in fact, what's really cool about, about these bags is you can detach the flap and, and put on a new flap. So you can actually buy multiple flaps and have multiple purses in one. But you need a way to explore all of those different combinations and you also want endless aisles. So whatever is you know, not in store, you should be able to order. And so there's so many different applications for how to leverage digital to enhance the in-store experience. Uh, it's, it's really across so many different categories. Um, electronics is no, another that's one. That's great. It's, yeah. yeah, it's so many examples. I'm like jotting them down. So you're talking about education. You're talking about enhancing storytelling. You're talking about uh, powering and personalization possibilities. You're talking about endless aisle. Um, and I think it's great for the audience to hear because in some ways it's, it's on the onus of them or, and maybe, you know, brainstorming with you, but there's numerous possibilities here. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I think one of the things uh, is really thinking through what are the frictions in the shopping process, right? So, you know, for, you know, we work with CoverGirl and Bourjois and Mac, where we do a virtual try-on experience, where the moment that you touch a lipstick, it puts the lipstick on your face, because trying on lipstick is the friction in that process. Um, for for Kate Spade, configuring the purse, like if you actually had one of their muses, what, what they call their sales associates, say, I, I would like to try the, the, the polka dots. Well, okay, let me detach this flap. Okay, let me go get the new flap. And it takes 30 seconds. And so, Waiting 30 seconds to a minute for every single combination is a real onerous part of the sales process. So, you know, I imagine when you when you design pop-ups for Lioness Group, you, you really try and get in the mind of like the customer, the shopping process. What are you trying to test? What are you trying to learn about, you know, the frictions and the joys of the shopping process? That's what we do too, using digital as a tool to create engagement and with a little bit of the magic of, oh my God, I touched this physical product and the screen knew it somehow. You know, that wakes people up, that creates surprise and delight, that gets people into the digital and creates the engagement so you can measure it. So that brings me to a good, to an, to a next question. Tell us what exactly are you measuring around engagement and what have been some of the key learnings that you've um, have been able to uh, glean over the past 12 months? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think the analytics are, are in many ways are, are some of the most exciting parts of the Perch platform. Like I like to go to brands and say, okay, tell me, you know, tell me about your top 10 products. Which one of them uh, engages the best when people pick it up? Which one converts best to sales? 
And the brands just look at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, okay, well, you've got 10 strategic products. Which one, like if somebody picks it up, which one do people always buy? Which one do people not buy as often as you'd like? And again, they'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. And so what we can do with Perch is we can measure every pickup of a product, every engagement with the digital on screen, um, and then compare that to sales data. So the way that works, for example, is at Johnson & Johnson, um, uh, we did a, a, an end cap and integrated into like just standard Loger shelving, really like kind of low tech, low design, really easy to put into um, a, a grocery store. This is at Meyer Supermarkets in Michigan um, and the Midwest. And what they, they launched with Neutrogena and Aveeno, and they had a new launch for Clean & Clear. And Clean & Clear hadn't had a product launch in about four or five years. So they put it at the bottom shelf, which is where you put your least performing products, right? Eye level is buy level. And so when we looked at the data, it was, you know, Clean & Clear got the least number of product pickups, as you'd expect. It's on the bottom shelf away from eye level. But what was interesting is we noticed that it had the highest rate of pickup to screen interaction. And so we said, okay, well, what is it about that content that engages customers better than Aveeno and Neutrogena? And what we looked at was for Neutrogena, they had Kerry Washington. For Aveeno, they had Jennifer Aniston. And for Clean and Clear, they used influencer videos. And so they said, okay, well, what happens if we relaunch this whole um, uh, interface and, and, and experience with influencer videos? And they saw a 20% increase in engagement and sold an additional 10% in, in, in their sales left. That is transformative, right? To be able to look at that. We can look at products and say, you know, one product you pick up and it, it, it converts to sales 10% of the time. This other product converts 2% of the time. All right, great. How does that affect the way we think about the planogram and our merchandising? Is there a pricing issue, a packaging issue? What can we test? Should we change the content? So. You know, now that you can look at this at a true product level, you can do product-based marketing and look at all the analytics as to what are people engaging with, what is effective, you know, is it a, you know, how do we optimize the planogram, how do we optimize the content, how do I identify pricing and packaging issues, how do I look at new product opportunities? These are all things that you know. There's new data, um, and so I think you know, I think that's really exciting. I think seeing some of our customers looking on how they capture first-party data. Um, so for CoverGirl, we do their CoverGirl flagship store where we have a virtual try-on uh, uh, experience. And again, where you touch a mascara, uh, it puts it on your eyes or a lipstick, it puts it on your lips. They get 20% of their customers to give their email. At Macy's at their fragrance bar, uh, when you pick up a fragrance, you can directly give I like the smell, the, the fragrance, I don't like the fragrance. And now Macy's is collecting first product, first party in-store product feedback data. And so brands can start doing all these interesting things once they create engagement. But that first step is creating engagement and just having a flashing, you know, digital signage, you know, kind of message doesn't do that and Perch does. And so that's, I think we're going to spend a lot of money investing into our data platform um, because I think you have this ability to continuously improve and provide data insights into the rest of the organization once you activate that behavior at the shelf and can instrument it. No, that's great. And it's amazing how many assumptions could be made, right, about how to merchandise the shelf without data. Um, and I do think if you give consumers a fun experience, um, they're pretty open in in sharing feedback and, and what they like and don't like. And um, 
Perch, you know, there's a tech element to it, but there is still, especially on the lift and learn side, um, a pretty decent tactile um, reliance on it. How do you see your platform evolving um, as brands and retailers figure out kind of how to show up in the new norm when doors start opening? There'll definitely be some temporary, you know, uh, adjustments, but longer term. Um, how do you see experiential evolving? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, we're all we're all living in the shadow of COVID-19 and we're trying to figure out how retail is going to change. Um, and so, you know, we, we've thought about it a couple different ways. One is you're still, when you're at the store, you're still going to pick up products to put them in your cart. And, you know, so that screen, that, that, that first screen that comes up, which is effectively a product page, is where 80% of the media impressions are anyway. So, you know, you know really the consumer doesn't necessarily go five levels deep into the experience. They get the value of that product-based media. Um, but that does bring a question of, you know, what else can we do to help kind of alleviate uh, the reliance on touching products or touching the screen? Um, and so we actually have some new technologies that we're building right now. Um, so one is, uh, you know, we have the ability to point at a product and tell us about it. So, you know, you can just point at, you know, something on the shelf and, and Perch will wake up and, t- and tell you about that product, right? So we, we use computer vision to detect what shoppers are doing. So that can be touching a product, picking it up, putting it down, but could also be gesture-based. It could be a variety of different behaviors. So we've talked to a couple different customers about, you know, implementing that. Um, we also can do that with the screen. So you can point to an area of the screen and touch it without touching it. Um, we've also looked at voice interfaces and other ways of controlling it using the, the mobile devices, a remote control, um, using QR codes to connect to, to mobile apps. Like Macy's does that very well where, you know, um, you know, at the fragrance bar and you pick up a fragrance, it gives you a QR code so you can, you know, purchase it online or use their mobile app and, and do cashless checkout. So contactless payments is, is obviously uh, also a big investment right now. Um, if you look at, you know, kind of where people are making investments to reduce touch. And so we can feed into, into that. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, uh, being an entrepreneur, it means being a little bit of an optimist. Um, you know, I think this is going to be, obviously, uh, it, it's, it's a tough situation now. It's going to be tough as retailers reopen. Uh, but long term, you know, we are going to return to some semblance of normal and, you know, that engagement in store and that notion of, you know, engaging with products is, is really still going to be fundamental for the long term. And uh, so, you know, kind of marrying the best of physical and digital retail can actually alleviate one or the other. Um, but I think, you know, we'll see considerable engagement in store soon enough. I agree. I agree. Human nature, right? So um, we'll slowly get back to that norm. Um, I think what's interesting too right now is that, you know, from all of this, not just work from home, live from home, do everything from home, you've seen a, a, a very fast acceleration of technology adoption on the consumer side, right? With um, e-commerce across any industry. I mean, you know, 70-year-old and plus shopping groceries that way now and um, curbside pickup and all of this, right? Um all of us adopting mobile in a different way. So I think that's great for the industry and for companies like you, because I think it helps kind of answer those questions that existed. Like, you know, is this something I need to invest in from the brand and retailer side? I think, you know, now that that's become a more fluid part of how people are operating, there's there's less friction on the consumer side and, and also more expectation on the consumer side that, that things will be tech enabled. But 
uh, on the flip side, we, we still have those challenges of the ecosystem making this possible, right? Either the cost of technology, the implementation, content creation. How do you see providers like Perch working more closely or differently with brands and IT teams um, to have easier and more attainable solution to implement these in store? Yeah, I, I think it, it starts with recognition of the state of brick and mortar retail, right? Uh, depending on whether you include different categories like autos or not, uh, brick and mortar drives 75 to 89% of all transactions, right? It's the majority of spending and revenue. Uh, additionally, uh, the cost of acquisition is lower for brick and mortar, so you get customers less expensively. The customers themselves are more, are more profitable. They spend more. They typically spend about 83% more in store. Or, you know, if they have purchased in-store and continue buying online, they buy more online. In fact, if you open a store, your e-commerce in that region goes up by about 37%. And then, you know, from a profitability perspective, uh, people online return products at about you know, 4x the rate of uh, people in-store. In fact, we're expecting half a trillion dollars of products being returned this year, half a trillion. And so what you actually look at is like, E-commerce is not profitable for most businesses. That's a big, big statement, right? Everyone's like, well, what about Amazon? Well, Amazon's even opening up stores. And if you look at their, you know, their P&L, their profits aren't coming from the e-commerce part. It comes from the marketplace. It comes from AWS, which has been you know, subsidizing their e-commerce for years. And it comes from the new advertising platform, right? And so the reality is brick and mortar plays this complete central role around customer acquisition, customer uh, uh, profitability. And, you know, meanwhile, the direct-to-consumer, you know, uh, guys who are the, D the DTCs who have all launched, you know, if you've raised more than $6 million, two-thirds of DTCs are opening up stores because, you know, Facebook, uh, you know, CPAs have gone up 300% in the last five years, right? It's really expensive to acquire customers online. It's getting more expensive. Google, Facebook, Amazon are squeezing on the margins out. So stores are where it's at. Now, to your point, like, why, what do we have to do to get technology invested in the stores? Because it has been a laggard. And, um, uh, you know, it, you went to NRF as, as did I. It felt like all the technology was really focused at stores, which is great because I think stores going into the COVID-19 crisis, you know, we're seeing this renaissance of investment. But the challenge, like you said, is we as, a, as, as an ecosystem need to, to get together and figure out how to do that. So for brands, they need to figure out how to go bigger out of the gate. You know, the days of doing this in one store or two stores doesn't make sense. We, for us, we think you have to do a 10, 20, 50 store test just to get statistically significant data to prove that you should roll this out across your entire fleet. The time for small experimentation is over for us. I think you got to make bigger bets. And that also means from a organizational perspective, bringing a culture of making those bigger bets and also to create continuity as organizational shift and change. One of the biggest things we see is when there's organizational churn, you know, initiatives get put on hold or, you know, the initiatives that were stewarded under a previous, you know, kind of administration don't, don't make it through. And, you know, that's not how it works at Amazon and other places where technology is seen as a roadmap that's constantly iterating. And then from technology providers such as Perch, we've got to keep on focusing on the cost equation and the ROI, right? We, we do these huge ROI analyses to show the huge impact that, you know, 30 to 130% sales lift can have, the value of the display impressions. 
We think about you know the total view of ROI, how you capture trade dollars um, if you're a retailer, and really focusing on the data to prove that I think is is, is pretty critical. Um, and then I think the last thing is you know we also have to foster better relationships, deeper relationships between retailers and brands. If you believe that brick and mortar is the future customer acquisition channel um, that that can compete with digital, it also has to bring in those digital competencies around data and data sharing. Like when a brand advertises on Facebook, it knows impressions, conversion rates, it can do creative optimization, it gives you demographic segmentation, and you've got to start providing that. And, and then brands can work more closely with retailers as to what data they can share, what they're seeing across other diff different channels. They can optimize, create better experiences in store. And so I think we're going to see this renaissance of collaboration between retailers and brands, even as retail brands start competing a little more as brands try and go direct to consumer and retailers, you know, start pushing private label brands for margins. I think there's an opportunity for greater collaboration and technology and data will be at the center of all of that. I couldn't agree with you more. And also, um, it's great to hear, you know, kind of you're taking that approach at, at Purge, just thinking through how, how we can make sure that there's an easier kind of more attainable implementation uh, across the board here. Price, uh, not just of Purge, but I'm just saying cost and IT needs and then content creation tend to be the three, you know, barriers I hear most, right? People want it. There's no question that they want it. Um, but how do they get past those hurdles so that they're able to implement it? But I think it's great for everybody to kind of hear all the things that they could glean again from um, in integrating Perch in really driving curiosity and entertainment and um, personalization and endless aisle. And then on the flip side, really empowering brands to be able to learn, you know, first party uh product feedback and kind of path to purchase and driving email capture, all the things that, you know, they value um, in, in those kind of micro conversions that happen on the path to purchase. So this was great. Um, before we leave, and I like to ask everybody this, um, you know, we're not traveling right now um, and travel is probably going to be a little bit different for a while, but we are going to do that again. So you're living now in, in the New York City area, um, when doors open, what are the three must-visit, must-do things that you would recommend for those who are next visiting? Yes. Uh, so I'm, I'm a native New Yorker, uh, so I, 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 I have a great affinity for New York. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I think of, you know, what is quintessentially New York? And so for me, it's, it's first restaurants. Uh, the food here is amazing, uh, and having a curated list of restaurant experiences, uh, I think, is is critical for any visit to New York. Um, whether that's you know looking at high end, you know, La Bernardin or Il Molino for Italian, to you know just kind of the seeking out the best dish in New York City. So if you're looking for the best steak au poivre, you know, you go to Raoul's uh, in Soho. Um, but it could also be street food. Uh, like there's a lot of just, you know, kind of amazing, amazing, you know, kind of Szechuan food or Malaysian food. I, I you know, I'm a big foodie and chef. So uh, the exploration of the New York restaurant scene is awesome. Uh, there's a, uh, a great taco restaurant in Brooklyn called Claro. That's, you know, the only Michelin rated, you know, kind of taco restaurant in New York. And it's phenomenal. So I can talk for, you know, 
for hours. Um, so I think that part of the planning is, is, is really critical if you're visiting New York. Um, I think uh, the 9-11 memorial is just so well done from a artistry and, and humanity and, and, and striking the right balance of, of emotion and gravity and hope and, um, you know, is a real kind of testament to the history of New York. Uh, I hate to put something somber in there, but I, it's just it, it's just one of the more meaningful experiences you can have in New York. And then, you know, the, the other thing that's quintessentially New York is the shopping scene, right? And so, you know, whether you're looking at, you know, kind of Hudson Yards or, or Fifth Avenue, you know, that's just, just a quintessential part of the experience that you just can't get in, in other places. Uh, but that said, you know, uh, there are lots of little fun things to do. One of the best things I've done in New York is just jet ski uh, in the Hudson. Um, it's surprisingly accessible and you can jet ski all around the, all around the, the island. And, and that's a ton of fun. And, uh, um, you know, whether, whether you like jet skis or, or, you know, want to take a sailboat, you know, just, just being in, in, in New York Harbor is, is really magical. That's awesome. It's, you know, I live by the water as well. And it's been interesting to see these little like beach like environments pop up. I, I wouldn't go swimming necessarily in the Hudson, but definitely seen a lot more jet skiing and sailing. And um, it's better now. Yeah, it's better now. That's like that's like an 80s, 90s mindset. I mean, I think they're catching fish out of the, the Hudson now. Um, yeah, I, I actually grew up I grew up on, you know, Washington Square Park in the 70s and 80s. So it's amazing to see how much New York has changed. And, uh, you know, Washington Square Park, you know, used to not be such a great park to live in next to, um, you know, people got shot, you know, <laughs> and now it's probably the, the nicest park in the city, if you ask me. So, um, you, know, uh, you know, things things certainly have changed. And I, I would take a dip in the Hudson. I'd do it. Okay. All right. Well, challenge. I'll challenge you on that this summer. I'm going to be watching your Instagram feed to see if you do it. Yes, we will. I'm a scuba uh, scuba certified. I skydive. I have a motorcycle license. I'm I'm cooler than I look. I think. <laughs> uh, I think you look pretty cool from 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 everything I've seen. But uh, we can definitely trade stories on on adventures. I like it. That's good. Okay. Well, that will be uh, part two uh, of our conversation. Um, thanks so much for joining us today, everybody. This is Retail Refine, a Market Scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez your host and Trevor Sumner, founder of Perch. Um, This was a great conversation and we look forward to the next one.